Good morning, everyone. Yeah, sorry, I had him turn the light on so you guys wouldn't sleep. Am I not on? Seriously? Oh, I had it on and turned it off. Okay. How's that? Is that better? All right. Now the online people can hear me. Sorry about that. Let's just uh, open in prayer here this morning. And then we just prayed. But let's go before the Lord again. And there's a little bit of ringing in the mic here. Father, we worship you. We praise you. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace, your mercy, God. We thank you for the gift of your Son, Father, who gave everything literally to give us you. That we may have life and have it more abundantly. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for your love for us. I thank you for your love for this church. I thank you for the provision of this place for the month of May. I thank you in advance for what you're going to do here, Father. Because you don't do anything by accident. You do it all to a plan. And Father, that plan is to bring intimacy between us and you. To literally remove the enemy and his influence in our lives, but not just in our lives. Not just in our lives personally, but even in this land. I thank you, Father, that he is being exposed, that literally he is on the run, even though most of the bride doesn't even know that. I thank you, Father, that the enemy is afraid. I ask that all the fear that Satan and his cohorts have brought on your people, your creation, that it be heaped on him tenfold, even in this time. Father, help there be no, to be no sanctuary for him, no place of safety for him found on this globe, that no one will take him in, that no one will give him comfort. Your creation is to be placed back in your arms. I pray this morning for your will to be done, that you will speak through me according to your will and your word. I give you my mouth. I give you, even more than that, I give you my will. I give you my choice. My choice is you and to give it back to you. I ask that you drive this morning. You drive what is said. 
Because your Holy Spirit has already been at work in the hearts of these people and those online, and those even in the future that will see this podcast. So, Father, according to that preparation, work in me, work in my heart. Work through my voice to do your will and what you want. I thank you and I praise you and I worship you, God. I would formally say we invite your Holy Spirit to be here, but he's been here. I think he was here to open the doors. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. I don't know about you. I'm kind of excited where we are. That seems kind of strange. I I keep asking the Lord if he's going to, as he usually does, have me take my shoes off this morning. Should have thought of that more thicker socks. But so far, so far, so good. We'll see. (laughs) But for those of you online that don't know, because you can only see what's up here, the Lord has allowed us to be in this garage. It's, it's a shop. It's a mechanic's garage for the month of May. And I, I keep, I, I mentioned this to Carson earlier, but I keep waiting for somebody to climb up one of the lift poles like Zacchaeus did. Although it probably isn't that hard to see this morning, right? But I am excited for what God is doing. Very different than what we expected. But isn't that just like God? Isn't that just like God to do something different than what we expect? Not just in the test of our faith, but literally in the preponderance of our faith. Because of our faith, He's moving us forward in that way. I look forward to where we're going to be in June. I look forward for what the Lord is doing in preparing us for these places that we're going to be. The last two weeks, the visions He's been giving me, and I I don't know if, if they're visions of things for sure to come, or if they're possibilities or what. So I, I, I won't share them in that way, but it's really cool to see what church in God's eyes is supposed to look like. See, it's got nothing to do with the surroundings. And, and yet, with the surroundings, we do what we're supposed to do. We steward what He's given us with the best that we can. But then we let Him do it, right? I don't know if you noticed behind me, I, I can't remember if they're in the frame of the, of the online camera or not, but can, can you see the two bluish black? Okay. These posters, I don't know if you figured it out yet. It, it doesn't say Ali, by the way. It says all in, okay, just so you know. And online, it's, it says all in. And what's interesting 
is about seven and a half years ago. A little over seven years ago, when we first started out as a church, the Lord gave me this vision of a, it was more than a design, more than a poster. It was a charge, if you will. And, and it was this poster here with, with a few differences. But back then, I remember, I believe it was the very first series the Lord had me preach, if I recall correctly, was All In. What does it mean to be all in? And a couple of weeks ago, the Lord impressed on me, it's time to resurrect that. I love that word. Aren't those coming? Yes, they are. But he said, I want you to resurrect that poster. I want you to resurrect that image and make just a few changes to it. And so I did. And what he placed on my heart this week is that that's exactly where we're at again. Because, see, seven years ago, we were walking into the unknown. We really were. We had all these ideas of what God was going to do and what we thought He wanted. And I, Man, I'll tell you what. I thought for sure we would be in a building within 30 days. You know, 60 days tops. But God had a different idea. God wanted to make something different. He wanted to make something real, something genuine, something that was not about the surroundings, but was about the hearts in the people that make up the church. And over the course of seven years, then he really worked with us in that way, teaching us so many things. Teaching us the recognition of what's around us. Teaching us the recognition of that warfare. That if we're blind to that, you're, you're like sitting duck. It's kind of like, if you don't understand the battlefield, please don't try to fight on the battlefield. You hurt yourself. So God started to teach us these things. Teaching us literally what it meant to be all in. Because at the time, I remember thinking, oh man, I just love that phrase. I'm all in. I used to say that to my coaches. Whatever you want, whatever you want me to do, I'm all in. It doesn't matter. You have me for this. I am a hundred percent there. I leave nothing back. And that's, that's how I felt seven years ago. That's how all of us felt seven years ago. When we stepped into this journey and said, we're all in. We're all in whatever you want. If we had any idea what that would have meant, I wonder how we would have reacted back then. But God is a good God. He is a gentle teacher. And he knows what we could take when we could take it. <laughs> but this is where we find ourselves again. And I'm not talking about the circumstances of where we're at. I think by now we need to have learned that's got nothing to do with anything. 
Because God is going to place us where he needs his voice to be. Do you understand? He's going to place us in those places that we keep asking for. God, we want to make a difference. We want to do something. We want to be your voice, whatever you want to do. Okay. You sure about that? Yes, I'm sure. Good. Let me take you through the next seven years to show you what that really means. And to prove out your choice of being all in. And we have. The Lord has said that. We've proven it over and over again. Because it's not about what we do, it's about our love for Him. But again, we find ourselves at that place again. That place of faith. What does it mean to be all in? What does it mean to be laid down for Jesus Christ? And that's a loaded question. We can ponder that for so long. But He wants us to understand what that means. When you say yes, when you say, I'm all in, what are you committing to? See, God's not going to lay it out in some kind of contract. Because quite frankly, He already did. When He gave His life on the cross, and you received Him as Savior into your heart, you wrote a contract with Him. That contract was he just paid for everything that you are. And that contract is you willingly giving your life back to him. But again, what does that look like? You know, in the in the practical things, we don't know. That's part of what he teaches us week to week, what that means. But he did lay out in his word in several places when he walked this earth what it means to be all in. What it means to be sold out. That's another cool phrase. You sold out for Jesus? Yeah. I mean, that's almost like a cool thing to say. Hey, dude, I'm sold out for Jesus. Are you really? See, somebody who's sold out means that there's no part of themselves left to make choices. It's all God's choices, nothing else. When I was talking to him about it this morning and and just reflecting on this this week as as I was making the, the posters and stuff like that, by the way, I'll say one more thing about this. The reason he wanted these made and put up and stay a part of what we're doing is because it is a theme. It's not just a theme for today. It's probably not just a theme for a few weeks. I don't know. I mean, he'll take it down when he wants to take it down. He'll put something else up when he wants something else put up. I know this is what he is offering his bride right now. And it's a question he's setting before each and every one of us. Are you all in? When I was talking to him about it this morning, he reminded me of what he said to this young man who said, I will follow you. I want to follow you. When he was walking the earth and and he came up to Jesus and just was so enthralled with who he was, with what he was doing, he said, I want to follow you. 
And Jesus said this. I want you to turn in Matthew to Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to start at verse 18. Matthew 8 verse 18 says this. Now when Jesus saw a crowd around him, he gave orders to go over to the other side. And a scribe came up to him and said to him, Teacher, I will follow you. First of all, understand, this is no ordinary person. This is a scribe. This is a person who has given their life to the law. Given their life to the Word of God. To being in His service. Okay? Understand that. And he said, And a scribe came up to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. What he was saying is, Are you sure? Are you sure that's what you want? You're saying it, but are you sure? Do you recognize what that means? Because I can imagine at this point, you know, Jesus is doing these miracles, all these amazing things happening around him. And obviously through him, the Lord is doing amazing miracles. And this scribe who has studied this his whole probably adult life, even perhaps as a child, he sees this and and sees the connection of God. And I want that. Because, see, that's what the whole thing with the scribes was about. It was about getting ahead through intellectual knowledge, through understanding more than your neighbor knew, because then you got something that you could say. You got something that you could teach that somebody else can't. can't. That makes you valuable. So imagine, probably, from this scribe's mind frame, he's saying, I want that. Oh, I will follow you everywhere, everywhere, thinking that the scribes had the best of everything. The Pharisees had the best of everything. They got greeted in the temple or in the, in the courtyard. They got greeted in, in the, the, where they shopped for food and they, they were esteemed in these high ways. So certainly this must be even bigger because this is God. Right? God working through this man. So, I'm going to offer this. And what does Jesus say? You don't know what you're asking. He says, everything I have is the Father's. I go at His will. I don't have a place to lay my head. I don't have a place to be. I don't have a building to... Put up beautiful draperies and nice carpet so the pastor can take his shoes off. (laughs) I don't have these things because I'm not supposed to. Because see, Jesus was not here on earth to draw the people to him. Do you understand that? If he was, he would have gone to Jerusalem, he would have rented the biggest building he can and started doing miracles. And this just hit me so heavy this last week. What was Jesus doing here? 
He came here and went to other places. He found the people where they were at. He went all these different places to share God and to share who He was. So why do we do church so differently? In the reality, and and I wasn't planning to say this, but in, in the reality... We kind of do it like Pharisees did. And I don't mean the the whole anti-God thing. I mean the establishment part. And maybe it's changing. Because you know it didn't work so well. The mega churches with the insane budgets and everything else. I know I've been to so many of them. And the atmosphere is incredible. And, and I'm not downing that. If the Lord wants to give us that, awesome. really don't care. Because where I do want that is in heaven. I'd rather Him take His effort and put it into what He's going to make me for eternity. Honestly. But when was the church ever supposed to just stand there and let the world come to it? No, Jesus went to the world. The church is supposed to go to the world. The church is supposed to go out and not just, hey, let's, let's rent this space on the, this busy corner so we could invite people in. That's not the point. We've been doing that for 2,000 years. It doesn't work. No, what it's supposed to be is, let's go into the places where Satan has the greatest stronghold, and let's clear it out. That's what it is. It's about going in with the idea of warfare. And and by the way, we have had ministries that do that. Praise God, thank you for them. Most of them, however, go into those areas and they deal with the symptoms of those areas. With the people's hearts, with, with those who are strung out on drugs or those who are whatever. Whatever. I mean, honestly, you want to go to one of the worst places in the world, you know, go, go up to lower Manhattan in the money district. That's probably one of the worst. And don't worry about the people. At first, good night, go up there and go to war with what has a stranglehold on that land. That's what's going to make the difference. When the enemy is pushed off the land, guess what? He has no more influence. It's a void of influence. That's what Jesus wants, is to take the enemy off the land that literally enslaves the people. And it's coming. We talked about last week the hierarchy that's been dismantled. In the, and, I, and I hope that was understandable to everybody. Um, but the hierarchy that's been dismantled of the enemy's camp it doesn't mean that there's no more enemy on specific portions of land. 
No, there's just no organization. There's no global effort that is organized. You still have to fight to take the land. We're in an area right now that has some rough things around it. You wonder why the Lord had us come here. He could have had us go anywhere. Right? There's a reason for it. Now it could be that one day in these next four weeks we'll open up these doors and people just flood in. That's up to God. It's not up to us. That's not even honestly to be our strategy. Our strategy is that we're on a portion of land, this area, and I don't just mean this building, I mean this area, that needs to be cleansed of an influence of what's coming against its people. See, Jesus said, foxes have holes, birds of the air have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. Why? Because he couldn't sit in one place Just to cleanse that place. He had to go out to fight for the people that he knew he was about to die for. So why are we supposed to be any different? Not. And I don't know what God has planned for that, but I'm going to ask this. Are you ready for it? I mean that... To you guys, right here. Are you ready for this? Do you even know what that means? What does it look like when we say, open a door here, and somebody comes in, gets in your face, and screams and cusses at you, and maybe even takes a swing at you? What does that look like? What does that look like to you? You have to be ready for that. I know that by experience because that has happened to me. Thankfully, they spoke Teve, so I wasn't really sure what they were cussing, but I know it was not good. (laughs) But are you ready for that? Because it's going to happen here. Because when you bring a light into a dark world, the dark world that has that influence, fights. And they do what they can, even though they have no power to stay. But the light that is in you, that has prepared you for this, are you ready? Are you really ready? That's what I think the Lord is teaching us. That's why He's not giving us necessarily these comforts, because are you ready? How would you react if that were to happen? Would you see that person as the enemy? Or through your discernment, would you see what's behind them? Would you, would you see what's affecting them? You can only know that through a relationship in Jesus Christ. The gift of discernment is only refined through that relationship. Knowing what you're supposed to do next. Knowing that very next step that you're supposed to take. Sorry. He's reminded me twice now. Knowing that very next step that you're supposed to take. 
You can only know that through relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can know. You can't do it on your own. All you can do on your own is watch how people have done it in the past and try to mock what they have done, thinking that they had success at what they did. But true success comes in being obedient to what God is doing in your life. That's it. That's it. Real simple. It's not rocket science. So are you ready? Because he said that to another young man that came up to him. In fact, I want you to turn further down into Matthew. Go to Matthew chapter 19. There was another young man that came up to him and said, Lord, I I, I want to follow you. I believe everything you're saying. I trust you. I believe in the words that you are speaking. Let's, let's just read about it. The, the young rich man. Chapter 19, starting, we'll, we'll start, let's see. Let's just start at 16. We'll start at the beginning of it. And behold, a man came up to him saying, Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. Now, keeping in mind, God had not, he had not given his life on the cross yet. Verse 18, he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? I want you to recognize something real quick there. The Holy Spirit worked in his heart to make him understand that he lacked something. That's why he asked Jesus, what do I still lack? Unless it was coming from a perspective of pride where he thought he lacked nothing and he just wanted to hear Jesus say it. It's one of the two. But either way, he's looking on this Human plane, if you will. Jesus said in verse 21, Jesus said to him, If you would be perfect, or the word there is complete, if you really want it to be complete, want it to have everything, go sell what you possess and give it to the poor and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. (laughs) When... When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, (coughs) for he had great possessions. By the way, it's interesting because a lot of theologians think think this is Barnabas. Interesting side note. But Jesus obviously saw the sincerity of his question. What do I lack? What do I lack? Have you ever gone before the Lord as David did and said, show me anything. Show me anything that that is creating a barrier between me and you. Show me anything. I don't want there to be any wall between us. If there is anything, show it to me. That's what I believe the young man's heart was. 
Okay, I've done these things, but, but, but what else? There has to be something else. What else is there? What else am I missing in Jesus, knowing full well what it was, said, go and sell everything you have. And give it away to the poor. Choose me over everything else. And then you'll have what you're asking for. And that made the young man sorrowful because he was very wealthy. Now, was Jesus railing on the fact that he was wealthy? No, had nothing to do with that. And, and churches and pastors and religions, whatever, that go down that dovetail are just, just flat missing the point. The point is Jesus knew. Jesus knew what he was missing. He knew that there was something in that young man's life that was more important than God. It didn't matter what it was. In this case, it happened to be his wealth. With others, it could be family. With others, it could be career. It could be even the will of what you want to do with your life. You know, well, I, I kind of see this path in my life. Right? Growing up, I wanted to play pro football. That was my path. God took care of that freshman year. So we have a pathway sometimes that we think we want to do. If we place that before the Lord, then it's no different than what he's asking this guy here to do. He's saying, okay, you, you want to be perfect. You want to be complete. You really want to go after me with everything. Then go give up football. Go give up this. Go give up that. Go give up your relationships that you have placed before me. And that makes us complete. What does that mean? That word perfect there, it means complete. It means doing everything that we can do to facilitate our yes. And that literally means we're all in. Nothing is to be before Christ. Nothing. Now, in a material world, that can easily be taken up with material things. That guy certainly had the means of a material world. But some don't. Some don't. And don't assume for those who do not have the means for a material world that they don't face the same issue. It's really putting your desires ahead of the Lord. That's really what it boils down to. In fact, further on, let me see, is it right here? Uh, yeah, let's just keep going. He, he goes on to say to his disciples, truly, I say unto you, you know, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, by the way, can I, can I say something here? Uh, there, there's so much, so much in here, and we're not going to dovetail into it. Uh, he says again, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. Um, don't, don't get, <coughs> don't get theologically derailed here. Okay. I remember when I used to teach this. I used to teach that you know, because because. 
if you're talking about a needle and thread, okay, that's really kind of silly. You know, how in the world am I going to put that camel through this needle? You know, it's, it's not even an impossible. I mean, it, it's, it's, it's physically impossible. That's not what God was saying. By the way, the, the back gate in Jerusalem was called the needle. Okay. Don't get theologically derailed with all that and explanation and everything else. Because what Jesus is saying is only God and our heart fully toward him can do it. Because we don't do it ourselves anyways. If we're trying to get that camel through a needle, whether you want to call it the back gate, whether you want to call it that little pin, it doesn't matter. If we're doing it on our own, it's not going to happen. But guess what? If God wanted to do it and do it through you, He could take that camel and He could thread it through a needle. The kind that you put thread through. He could do that. That's the point that He was saying is that only He can do it. And only A heart after Him, in the example of this, can be greater than the comforts of this world. That's why He said it's not impossible. Because with God, all things are possible. But then He goes on. Down, uh, let's see. Verse 27, I love Peter because Peter always brings it down to the brass tacks. He says, what about us? Then Peter said in reply, see, we have left everything and followed you. What then will we have? Jesus said to him, truly I say to you, in the new world, when the Son of Man will sit on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. He, he is, by the way, in this case, talking about the thousand-year reign. Verse 29, and this is really where it applies to us. And everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. But many who are first will be last in the last first. He's, he's finishing this by saying, you don't understand the perspective is wrong here. The perspective is not what you gain in this world. In, in material things or in status or anything else that they were so bogged down by in, in the synagogue then. It's your relationship with God. And I I say that today. Many of us, or all of us, we face things in this life that have huge importance to us. Whether it be a career, whether, whether it be family, whether it be a relationship, whether it be material things, whether it be money, whether it be a car, You know, whatever, even just comforts, even just heat, (laughs) or perhaps by next week, air conditioning. (laughs) I don't know, we're going to have to work that one week by week. But all these things that we seek that become of this extreme importance to us, if we don't do it through the lens of, God, what do you want here? What do you want in this case? Then... We're missing that complete. 
we're missing the perfect of that relationship with Him. I want to say one, one last piece, because this is a tough one. I want you to go back to Matthew chapter 10. Because Jesus, of course, said this back then, but he is saying it now. In, in fact, <clears throat> we see the manifestation of this now more than, more than we have, certainly in my lifetime, but in reality with what it's leading up to more than all of history since the church began. We assume that Jesus came to make life easier. We assume that Jesus came to bring peace to people and more so to bring peace on this world. By the way, you know, that, that's, that's why the Pharisees rejected him in such an intense manner at the end was because their idea of the Messiah was a Messiah that was going to come to not just bring peace and and make things all okay between them and their their those who lorded over them, which were the Romans, but literally to free them and put them in a position of lordship. That's what they thought. I mean, they shouldn't have, because Scripture doesn't teach that at all. At all. But that's what they thought. And when they realized that he was not coming to bring peace, but every chance he got, he got into their face. Oh, man, I wish I could have been there. I mean, you want to hear somebody tell somebody off? Just look at what Jesus did telling off some of the Pharisees. And and I don't mean for the purpose of, oh, yeah, look at me, I'm telling you off. I'm talking about to crush the enemy's lies in an atmosphere where it had predominance. He went off on them. He went off on them. I I love it. You you see that throughout the Word of God. Just kind of like Elijah went off on the prophets of Baal. You know, where where is your God? Is he asleep? Is he not listening to you? Maybe he's going to the bathroom. You know, Jesus said, I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 10, verse 34. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I've not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I've come to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a person's enemies will be those of his own household. By the way, let me, let me point out the obvious here. He, he's not saying that, that I am establishing that, that, uh, that mother-in-laws and daughter-in-laws are supposed to hate each other. It is the new rule. You're not supposed to like each other. And, and by the way, you know, uh, fathers and daughters, no more good relationship there. You're supposed to hate each other. That's not what he's saying. What he's talking about is the closeness of a relationship with family. He's coming to bring a line of division. 
That line of division is for, not for the purpose of splitting up a family. It's for the purpose of what we talked about two scriptures ago. Where our, you, there is nowhere else that you can go if you want Jesus, if you want him fully giving your yes, then you have to give up everything. Nothing can be before him. And the easiest thing to put before people is other people, is our family. But, but yeah, but, but I have such a good influence on them. I, I, you know, I, I really think that I can help them. I can lead them to Christ. I can do this. I can do that. Satan gets in there and twists things around a little bit. I'll give you a great, one of the greatest examples that I know is... <laughs> almost said my own son, is Michael, my my nephew. He desperately, desperately, and and I'm not saying anything that would embarrass Allie because this is her testimony. He desperately wanted her to know the Lord and to be all in like he was. He could have chosen... To just say, you know what, Lord, I need to put your plans on hold a little bit so I can focus on Allie, so I can show her the truth. Show her what needs to happen. Praise God, his discernment was to know how to follow the Lord's voice. Because the Lord said, no, no, you just follow me. You let me worry about her. And wow. Wow, look what happened. All of us in this church knows what happened. Not only, not only did she go all in, but she caught fire. She caught absolute fire. So see, Satan wants you to think that you're doing something good by... But let me put you on hold for a minute, Lord, because I just got to be here with, with these people that I know and love. And, and, and it's going to be okay. Just, just give me a month. Give me, give me two months. And we're good. When the Lord's saying, no, you give everything to me. You stand for me. You go all in for me. And guess what? They're going to see that. Because when the Holy Spirit pumps through You, you can't be a better testimony. You can't. So many of us have experienced that. But it works the opposite also. It works like what Jesus just said. It will bring a line of division. Because there is a choice that each one of us has to make. There's a choice. (coughs) Excuse me. There's a choice that Allie had to make. There's a choice that each one of you has to make. There's a choice that our family has to make. We can't make it for them, just like God doesn't make it for us. Why do we get to be any different? Why do we get to choose for our family? Or think we can? When He doesn't even choose for us, He gives us a choice to follow Him. He gives us free will to make the choice to follow Him because that has to be real. For it to be a relationship, it has to be our choice. But when we do choose, He uses us. 
And, and there's so many people that I know, including us, my wife and I, that desperately love our families. And they just have chosen something different. The best thing that we can do, honestly, the only thing that we can do, is to go all in with Him. All in with the Lord and just say, they're yours. They're yours. I'll fight for them in the Spirit. I will do everything you have me do, but they are yours. That's what being all in is. All in is when there are no parameters that you say, oh, but this, Lord. Don't do everything you want, but this. I'll go anywhere you want, but here. I'll say anything you want, except that. There can't be any parameters. If the Lord... If you really want the pureness of His voice in your life, there can't be any but this or but that. And trust me, He'll test you in it. He does. That's what He does. That's that's how He proves out faith. Faith is not when you just say it. Yes, Lord, I'll do anything you want. Okay. Awesome. Two weeks later, here's an opportunity. And he sees what your choice is. Because those choices are what solidify our faith. When we say, okay, yes, I'll step. I'll step in this. I'll do this. Because you're telling me to do it. I trust you. That's what he does. Alexis, come on up. I want to encourage everyone here. To just choose to be all in and there be nothing, nothing that you place before what the Lord wants. Something that the Lord was showing me that I want to just share before we close today in prayer. That's such an important word. And, you know, I... I was thinking about how before God really got a hold of me in a fully all-in place, I remember, I remember the times when I would have this conversation with the Lord that was, I do want you, God. I, I know I want you. I want your ways. I've always wanted him. I was saved at 11 years old and, um, and even thought I was saved at 5 years old. But I remember at 11 making sure, and that's the salvation I experience I remember, because I think when I was 5, I was so young, and I was just kind of following my friends in a church um, children's program one Sunday. But most of my entire life, I wanted God. But I remember this whole sold out, all in, not understanding it. I thought, surely there's got to be a place where I can be, I can love you, God. I can want you. I can want your ways, but not quite be so radical that everything, I mean, you know, come on, you, you know, like I'm young and I got to, I got to live my life. I mean, surely there's a place where I can pursue Life and you're okay with it. I'm not pursuing anything bad, but I mean, just all in and giving up everything. And at that time, I was confused what it meant. I thought it was like everybody has to be a pastor. <laughs> How funny that is! But it came to that, but 
But there were just things that I resisted. And I remember sitting on a step, and I'd show, I'd shared this before, but I remember sitting on a step during a missions conference and literally declaring, don't ever do this. I declared, Lord, you know, send me anywhere. Just don't ever send me to Africa. <laughs> and, you know, God just has such a sense of humor because uh, he, will, he will take us to places where um, we need to overcome ourselves the most. But I thought, there's got to be this in-between place. And the greatest lie, and, and I'm really thankful for the times that we're in because it's crushing this lie. The greatest lie is that there is a middle-of-the-road, lukewarm place to be. See, the squeeze that we're in now, the, the line in the sand that we talk about all the time, really is this place of, you can't just say, I don't want to be all in, but I don't want to deny you, God. So I'm going to find a place in the middle where I live my life, but it's not a bad life. I'll even go to church more than one time a week. You know, like I'll sacrifice my schedule. I'll work with my boss. I'll take off and I'll try to come to another service. I'll try to come to a Bible study. I'll try, you know, I'll give you a little bit more. And the Lord is saying, it's time. My love and what my son paid for, paid for the all in. He paid for our everything. And what's happening now is there is no such thing as an in-between. And, and you can look at that and go, wait a second, that's not true, you know, because I, I know I'm not, you know, I'm not radically in, but I, I definitely, you know, I'm fine, I'm doing good, I'm, I'm working it, I'm making it. Okay, so many of you heard what was happening this past week. And if you pay attention at all to the news, you know that the Biden administration just announced the D- um, uh, the It was the, let me just get this, so I saved it here. Um, DHS, Homeland Security, just announced this week that it is forming a disinformation governance board, okay, called a, quote, Ministry of Truth, which is a quote that comes from George Orwell's. It's an Orwellian, very, very, very um, controlling, authoritarian kind of a board that will help our nation fight disinformation. Now, they're not defining it, but if you guys understand what is happening here, there the stage has been set to the next level to shut down the ability to speak freely what you believe. Now, you would think as a believer, well, how does that, you know, how does that necessarily affect me? What the enemy, God is allowing the enemy to do is put us in a position where you have to choose to be all in because it's not going to be okay to just be a Christian that's not radical but still a Christian. No, the enemy is pushing all believers to the point where deny your faith, deny it. We're not good with you saying that you love God and believing in the Bible and, and living this way. That's not, we don't, that's a, even a threat to us now. And, and most Christians have kind of been happy there. And the Lord is saying, no, I want everything from you. I want it all from you. You can't hide. And, and now this squeeze is being put on that for you to say that you believe, and we know it's happening, for you to even say that God created man and created woman is hate. 
you know, you're, you're finding that the most fundamental truths that you want to speak out are being considered hate. And the reason God's allowing this pressure is because he's like, I'm not going to let you sit on the fence anymore. You say that you believe me. You say that you love me. Do you, know, do you trust me as God? Do you trust that the word of God, whether you hold up your phone because it's in there or you hold up a paper Bible, do you believe that I am God and there is none else? And that my words, my creation, and my ways really are what you want? Because if you do, I'm going to force that to be all. Otherwise, you'll be in a position of denying me. Because you might say, well, I don't want to deny it. I mean, I don't want to deny you, Lord. I just don't want to be, like, radical, you know. No. Now it's, it's clear. You either believe him. And, and we're seeing it in, in everything. If this is not the stage being set to shut down pastor, pastors, you know, to, to shut down the fact that we're not going to be able to say not only what genders are, but what, how and what God did in creating marriage and sex and what is against the, the very life that was created. I mean, from homosexuality to abortion to all these, these things that the church has been somewhat silent on. I would say quite silent. Some are speaking up. But he's pushing it to a place where, no, you need to speak forth. You need to be all in in, in these areas because the status quo of just being a Christian that's like in the middle of the road is ending. This disinformation thing is such that you there, lady, Christian lady that's nice and quiet and goes to church, what do you believe? If you believe the Bible, tell me, tell me what you believe about the Bible. We're going to get you. And... And you'll be forced to be like, well, I believe the Bible, but I don't want to offend you. No, 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 no. That's not good enough. It's like, unless they can get you to deny your faith, to just literally deny your faith, you're, you're not going to be accepted. That's actually a good place. Because you know what? It's waking people up. It's waking people up to say, you know what? If you say you believe God and you say you love God, how about just declare and stand and say, no, I believe it all. See, he's getting rid of the lukewarm. And if you, if you decide that you won't, by the way, just by sheer hesitation of your faith, you are denying God. If you will not speak up for the truth, you are denying God. And so this all in, um, the consequence of it isn't that we can just, well, I, I, I see that it's good and it's great for some, but you know what? I mean, at my age, I don't know. That's for the young kids. They can be all in. Maybe that's for radical people. You know, I'm just going to kind of sit. The Lord is saying, no. The consequence of not being all in is that I'm going to allow the enemy to push you to the denial of your faith. Do you deny me? Oh, no, no, I don't want to deny you. I just don't want to be that radical. I mean, I've got to live my life. You know, I mean, I've got things to do. I've got to care. I've got, got my grandkids to take care of. I've got this or that or whatever stage of life you're in. And so we are in a time of choose you this day whom you will serve. And so I guess I just wanted to point out, that was what the Lord was showing me is that you can't, the lie that you can be, still love God, but not be the crazy all-in people, those days are gone. The crazy all-in people start at God created man in his own image, and he created woman, you know what I mean? It's like, it's starting at life begins at conception. You can't kill your child 28 days after they are born. 28 days? Are you kidding me? I mean, satanic worship. Much, you know, like what in the world? So I love that this squeeze is on because it's time for the church to wake up. 
it's time for the church to be all in. And praise God that, that I'm preaching to the choir here in Ignition and many, many that are with us. And there are remnant pockets all over the world. And those being oppressed the most are seeing the benefits of what being all in is. Because there is clarity when the squeeze is on, isn't there? It's like suddenly when you begin to see that the, that the status quo and go along to get along is no longer a place where you can live, there's a clarity that comes with that. There's a, yeah, how did I ever want any of that? Like, how does any of that ever matter? How did I ever think that I could live the way I wanted to and ask you to bless it, God? It just doesn't exist. It's your ways. We have a song. Your will, your way, Lord. Your will, your way, Lord. That's the way he wants us to live. And lastly, if you ever thought that you could have better plans for your life, more exciting things you want to do than what God has for you, you're also deluded. The best plan you could possibly have, I mean, the best plan that exists for you, custom plan for you, is what God has. He knows us. He made us. He knows how he made us. It was intentional. He knows that he gave Waldo style in what he wears. He knows that he gave Yvonne the bright red mane of a lion in her hair. And, you know, like he everybody, I could name so many. He, he knows the, the, the ways that we are, the ways that we're not, you know, what gets us going. He designed it for those pur- the purposes of his design to be fulfilled. So how could we ever think that we would have plans better than what God has? You're not giving up something great when you surrender to God. You're giving over the half-wit plans that you think you might have of your own making and stepping into the blossoming, the, the work that will be completed in what he started when he created us. So praise God for that. And, and ask the Lord to show you more and more what's all in. And there's so many more things in the gospel that he shows um, about what that means. But let's pray. Father God, thank you. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your ministry in helping us to understand what it means to be all in. And we reject, in the name of Jesus, the lie that there's any place of in-between that has any benefit whatsoever. Father, it is your will, your way, Lord, or it is only what it leads to the denial of our faith in the hands of the enemy and the destruction of our lives. Father, I, I just, in Jesus' name, I just reject that lie, God. Open our eyes to see that every good thing is from above, from you, God. Every spiritual blessing you promised for those that accept you. And you are the very essence of, of what we were created to desire. This void within us to long for anything was created to be filled by you, God. So I just pray, God, that you'd help us to understand that. And then help us to walk in it by your strength. Thank you, Jesus, for what you paid for. And I know we had communion earlier, but thank you again, Jesus, for the blood that paid for our victory. Thank you for the the broken body that brings forth our wholeness, our healing. God, I just praise you. I praise you that no weapons of the enemy, even in, in any day, but in this day, right now, with the oppression squeezing us more and more, no weapons formed against us will prosper in Jesus' name because of you, God. We live 
with you, Jesus, in us when we accept you as Savior. So I just praise you for that. Give us more revelation of your word and your love and your purposes for us in this hour to be the church, the true, true church that you designed, which is the body of Christ. And you designed us to be able to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, God, not just missionaries, but the church. God, to help us to know that we love you, God. I praise you. I worship you for who you are in Jesus name. Amen. Amen.